Hi, welcome to the Fast Life with Diabetes podcast. My name is Lucy Fisher. On this podcast, we'll discuss everything related to intermittent fasting and type 1 and type 2 diabetes. We'll share tips and tricks, and we'll reveal some of the challenges that we've all faced as we go through this journey. We'll also have some fascinating guests that will share their stories. Thanks so much for joining. It's going to be a great show. Also, before we get started, I just want to remind you that I am not a doctor. Before beginning an intermittent fasting protocol or making changes to your medication, I highly recommend that you speak to your doctor. Hi everyone, thank you so much for joining today. Today we have on Tracy Vignovich. Tracy is 53 years old. She lives with her husband in Iowa and she has been fasting for the last couple of years. She was drawn to fasting in order to help her reclaim her health. She had issues with type two diabetes, inflammation, other issues that she found in her blood work that she was trying to improve. She has had issues with her weight most of her life and her weight was causing her to have developed a lot of these health issues. And she came to fasting, she originally started as a dirty faster and then switched over to clean fasting, which helped her then be able to have longer periods of fasting. And that's when she really started to see results both in her health and her weight. She is five feet, four inches, and she's gone down from 197 pounds to 140 pounds, which is just incredible. Her A1C which was in the mid sixes is now down to 5.4. So she has effectively reversed her type two diabetes through fasting and diet. She really has a great story. She talks a lot about her mindset, um, which I think is something that is absolutely vital to get right in order to be successful while intermittent fasting. So if you're someone that's struggling with mindset, definitely give this episode a listen because Tracy really dives deep into some of her thought patterns and how she has been able to overcome those things. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Tracy. So nice to see you. Thanks, Lucy. Nice to finally meet you in person. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited for everybody to hear your story. Uh, It's it's one that's really inspirational, I think. Before we, uh, it really is, before we dig in, do you want to just give everybody a little bit of background about yourself, where you're from, you know, your age range, your family, stuff like that? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'm 53 years old. Um, I live on an acreage in Iowa. I am mar- I've been married for 32 years to my high school sweetheart. And um, we have three daughters and two son-in-laws and three granddaughters. So we are a girl, girl family, big time. <laughs> um, I was a stay-at-home mom with my girls until our youngest went to preschool. And then I went back to dental hygiene school and was a dental hygienist um, in clinical for 15 years. And then the last four years of that, I also was an adjunct instructor at the local community college in the dental hygiene program. And then um, in 2020, I came out of the op and I am now an office manager at a dental practice. Wow. You've accomplished quite a bit in your life. That's amazing. And you have a, a really nice sounding family. It's a uh... You're lucky. I'm blessed. Yes. Yeah, you really are. So uh, that's a really good background on you. Maybe you can tell me a little bit about, I definitely, you know, we'll get into the fasting part, obviously, but 
maybe you can tell me a little bit about what was going on with your health, because I think that was like the primary, a primary concern for you. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of let me, I'll start kind of at the beginning so you can kind of learn my journey. Um, in elementary, middle school, high school, um, I was always a good weight. Um, I was healthy, um, very kind of muscular body. I was an athlete, um, but I was very critical of my body. I was never satisfied. Um, looking back, I compared myself a lot to like those tall, lanky, skinny girls. And I wanted to be like that, not realizing that is not, I'm five foot four. And when you're muscular, you're, I'm not going to look like that. So, uh, you know, that was that, um, I had a very nice figure. I mean, I, I had nice muscly legs. I just, I just didn't appreciate it as a kid. Um, I never ate well. Um, I would always choose sugary food, high carb food. Um, I was raised on a farm. Mom always had great food for our family, took very good care of us. But if I had the choice to choose something else or to dig through the kitchen and find uh, other things, that was my choice. I always geared towards that. I always wanted that. You know, she always had always had something baked like cookies or cake or something for my dad, you know, for coffee time. But I always took it to the extreme and would not have just one cookie. I always wanted to eat, you know, way more than one. I just liked that kind of food. In college, when I moved out, um, I then I continued to begin to develop terrible eating habits. Uh, I was on my own now, so I could make my own decisions as to what I wanted to do. So, you know, go to the grocery store and buy a whole pack of Oreos. You betcha, because that didn't happen when I was a kid at our house. We, we mom didn't eat like that. Um, and so it just continued um, to escalate processed foods, going out to restaurants. Um, and then my weight started to climb. And I, it was because I wasn't as active. I wasn't in softball anymore. I wasn't doing as much as I was in high school. So now the weight was beginning to catch up with me. So then I started developing that pattern of dieting and thinking about dieting and, and losing weight um, because I, I didn't like what was happening and, and the weight was going up. In my 20s, um, I got married when we were 21 and then we had in our, my twenties, we had three girls between the ages of 25 and 30. And my focus was more on my girls and raising them than myself. And a lot of moms do that. They put themselves last and they focus on their, their family. Um, then, cause so we kind of get into like the range of thirties and fifties and I was on all kinds um, of diets just try to lose the weight. Um, I would, I was almost always successful on every diet I tried. It was the maintenance. That was the issue because I would always go back to my bad eating habits again. Um, but looking back, my motivation was either what I considered looking good on the outside or a mo like for a special event. If we had a wedding coming up or, or something like that, that's what I was more focused on, not my health. I was young and I was pretty healthy. So it, you take advantage of that, I think, when you're younger and don't realize that you're not going to stay young forever. 
um, diets I tried, you name them, I did them. I Nutrisystem, Adkins, Dexatrim, Ephedra, um, Fenteramine, uh, Weight Watchers tons of times. In fact, oh. I can laugh about this now, but I was fired from Weight Watchers because <laughs> I couldn't keep my weight off. I remember I got down to the goal weight and then they asked me if I wanted to work there. Sure. Yeah, I did it. And I was like two pounds. I could not keep these two pounds off and they ended up firing me. So, oh my gosh, that's funny. At the time I was devastated. Now I'm kind of laughing about it. Like, oh, yeah, man, but anyway, so my weight kind of fluctuated at that, at, in those ages between 160 and then, um, up to my highest in 2019 was 197. And remember, I'm a lot five, on a five, four, yeah. Five, same. four. Yeah. That yeah. now I could get away with it a little bit, like more towards the fifties and sixties because of my muscle tone and stuff. And when I carry weight from head to toe, and so I almost could kind of hide it a little bit, but not when you're 197, you, you, I might be hiding it from myself, but not, yeah. 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 So anyway, so, um, I, and you and I thinking back, I often would say, if I just didn't have to think about eating three meals a day and making all these choices for food, I would be so much better. And I kind of think that was like, I didn't realize it, but at that time I was longing for intermittent fasting, but didn't know what I was longing for. Yeah. So keep going mid to late forties. Um, then I was beginning to notice um, some health changes. Um, I was at that point now, like at physicals, they were checking, you know, my, my like blood panel, cholesterol, triglycerides, all that. Those were wonky. They weren't super high, but they were, they were wonky. But then my glucose, it kind of averaged, my fasting glucose was averaging like 110, 120. And then yeah. my, my A1C kind of in the, in my forties, it was, they were, it was the high fives and it was slowly climbing to like the lower sixes. Yeah. And so you were in pre-diabetes, <laughs> diabetes realm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, you know, my doctor would talk to me about it and he would start to mention, you know, metformin and kind of what I would always say was, well, give me three months and let me see what I can do on my own. And okay. So three months would go by and I would correct, you know, I knew what to do. I would correct my eating, um, lower my sugars. And then I'd go back in three months, get my numbers checked. And then they it would drop it would still drop to maybe like the high fives, but enough that the doctors would be like, okay, it looks like you're on the right path. I'd go another year and slowly get back into the bad habits. And then it, it would, so it was becoming a cycle, what I was doing. Now, when you kept going back for, I'm just curious about this one point. So, you know, you were in the high fives and then you'd be okay for a year, you know, you get dismissed for a year and then you'd come back. Would it then every time you got your A1C checked again, would it be higher than it was like it kept steadily climbing. Okay. Yep. Yes. It was just slowly. It'd be like, I can remember looking at my, um, reports of like six, 6.1, 6 6.2. Yeah. It was literally going up like by 0.1, you know, each, each year. I yeah. I think, say. I think a lot of people don't realize that diabetes, um, type two, especially as you know, it's like progressive. It, it, it can really, um, escalate if you don't take care of it. You know what I mean? Yes. It, it, it's not like, um, I think, people kind of think, oh, I can just 
reverse it and then never have to think about it again. It's like, no, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> You've got to keep that, it reversed. <laughs> Otherwise it just keeps getting worse and worse. And then you graduate from metformin to insulin to, you know what I mean? It just, it keeps going if you're not really on top of it. So. Yeah. I was, I was playing a nasty game with myself and, yeah. and thinking that I was, I had it under control, yeah. but then at that point I was really noticing health changes. Um, as I'm approaching 50, uh, I would know, um, inflammation was terrible. I mean, I look back at pictures and I think my, I mean, you can see it in my face, how that wasn't just weight, you know, a person thinking, Oh, you're, you're gaining weight. Of course I was, but that it was inflammation and I, it was caused from the high glucose. Um, I had no stamina at all. I mean, we live on an acreage and I love the landscape. And I was getting to the point where I remember where I said to my husband, you know what? I don't, I don't know how much more longer I can, you know, do all this landscaping because I love to plant flowers. And then I thought, well, you're not, you're just 50. I mean, you should be able to, but it was just, I mean, I would go out and work and then I'd have to come inside and I was done for the night. Uh, my job, I would, the stamina of my job, you know, sitting in the same position, eight hours a day, you know, working on a patient, you really begin to get some muscle issues and back issues. And I have some chronic back issues anyway, um, have some herniated disc. And so the inflammation was caught making that worse. And I was barely able to make it through an eight hour day. And my drive home, I'd be moving in my seat, you know, driving and moving, trying to get comfortable. I'd come home and ice my back and I was out for the rest of the night. I, I wasn't able to do anything. Um, and then this weird that finally this, this weird, um, symptom I had was I would get this tingling sensation, which I'm associating it to neuropathy in my arms and my fingers and my lower legs and my toes. And that that's kind of one of the things that it was like, this is uncomfortable. It would wake me up at night. Um, so that was probably one of the biggest things that made me think, okay, there's, you, there's something wrong here. You're yeah. I mean, some of this is uh, like the fatigue that you're mentioning probably had something to do with the diabetes. The, the neuropathy that you experienced may have had something to do with the diabetes or it could have been the pinched nerves, but um, yeah, those are really like distressing and the inflammation that you mentioned. I mean, those are really distressing physical symptoms that you had. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was affecting my daily life. And, you know, and I, I look at like all other areas of my life, my, I mean, I'm blessed. I mean, my life was good. I, I was, I had great family. I love being a mom, wife. I got to go back to school. In fact, I, one of my other goals was I wanted to get my bachelor's degree in hygiene in addition to the associate's degree and went back and got that when I was 49. I mean, I'm a motivated person. I can, I can do these things, but I was just stumped as to why I always seem to have this issue with food and my health. So anyway. Wow. That's a, that's quite a story. I think it's a very common one too. I think a lot of people go through that. And, uh, when you were on all these various different programs, um, you know, you mentioned the different diets that you tried, did you ever try changing your diet at all? Or was it pretty much just about restricting the amount that you ate? No, I, I did try to change it. Um, cause I knew, I mean, logically I knew when you're choosing processed food and you're eating food with all this sugar and stuff, 
I knew I didn't feel good after I ate it or if I ate, you know, a lot of pasta, but I, I just, it, 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 I just didn't have, I don't want to say motivation, but I just like, I would try to stop eating that food and I could do it for a while, but the cravings were so bad and just getting over that hump. I just couldn't seem to get over that hump. I just would fall back to that. It's, it can be overwhelming sometimes. Uh, I did an episode with uh, Dr. Vera Tarman and she wrote food junkies about food addiction. And it's, you know, it's a real, it's a real issue and it is hard to break those cravings. You almost have to, I don't know if you ended up doing this or not, but you have to cut certain things out of your diet. Cause if you have them around, you just, you'll end up eating them, you know? Yeah. 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 So going on then with kind of my story is um, probably towards the end of 2019, at yeah, at the end of the year, probably November, December, um, I went back. I was at another doctor. This is a different physician. And this time my my heartburn was horrible. My weight was at its highest. I was up at 197. I was probably higher than that, but I just kind of stopped weighing. Uh, but this time my A1C was 6.4. My glucose was 135. Yeah. Uh, triglycerides, everything was bad. And I remember, so the doctor said that I want you to, we're going to start metformin. And I asked again, well, can I have three months and we'll see what I can do. And she looked at me and she said, nope. She said, by taking this med, I'm going to delay when you get diabetes, not if you get diabetes. And then she said, you will not lose the weight. Okay. So I filled the script and I'm not condoning my actions, but I could not make myself take that metformin. I, I, I just, I felt so defeated in myself. I just, I, cause I knew I'd done it in the past, but I, I knew I just didn't want to do it, but I don't condone that for anybody to do that. They probably need to know when the time is to listen to their physician. So about a month later, I was at another doctor for my yearly mammogram and stuff. And I basically was begging her for help. I just said, I, I, I want to lose weight, but here's my problem. I eat breakfast. And then two or three hours later, I get the shakes. I start to sweat. I can't do it. I can't not eat. And so her response to me was, well, I guess you can't do intermittent fasting then. So maybe, maybe try the Mediterranean diet. Wah, wah, wah. (laughs) I thought, oh, here. Here we go again, another dead end. But I was like desperate. I was wanting help. So she did plant a seed though about intermittent fasting. And so I just kind of kept that in the back of my head, move on a few months down the road. And then I started doing some research on intermittent fasting because it's kind of like when someone tells you that you can't do something, well then, well, maybe I can. So I looked into it. I started kind of studying it. And then this kind of started my process from like 2020 to where I am now. I'm kind of a slow, methodical type person when it comes to doing things, but I began to feel like a mind switch. And I I was like, now I was wanting to do something for myself because I knew I needed to take care of my health. I was beginning to understand you're not 30 anymore. This is really going to affect you if you don't do something I've got these three beautiful granddaughters that I love more than anything, and I want to be able to keep up with them, and I want to be able to have fun with them. So I kind of, my motivation was changing. My why was changing. Also, 
we get into COVID and I, we went, you know, I couldn't work, you know, they closed down the medical offices and stuff. And so I had a few weeks off and then we came back to work this for about two years. I it had been nagging at me. You need to get out of the op. I just, I wanted to do something different, but I didn't know what I wanted to do, but it just wouldn't leave me. Well, then when we went back after COVID and I remember the day I walked into the office and I had to put on all that PPE, the protective, um, professional protective equipment that we had to put on us. Here I am at my biggest weight. I have to have an N95 mask, another mask over the top. Then I have my goggles on my, my loops. And then we have to wear a face shield over that and then have a gown on. I couldn't breathe. I mean, I, I, I was on the verge of a panic attack thinking I can't breathe. I was sweating terrible. I can't, I can't do this for eight hours a day. And so it just, it just kicked me into now you've got to, it now's the time to make some changes in your life. So career changes, get going on your health. And so I did, I found, I had the opportunity for a new job to move in as a practice manager at a a dental office, which I love. Um, I, I back up just a little bit. I had bought the delay. Don't deny book from Jen Stevens. Like I ordered it in February of 2020 kind of did the skim just, just enough, just to get a little bit of information about it. Um, but so as I was starting my new job, I thought you're starting a new job. Let's start over. Let's start working on your health doing this. So I did a little bit of intermittent fasting, just enough to be dangerous, but you know, not, I didn't dive right in. So I kind of worked the rest of the way through 2020. And then I did lose some weight. I lost about 25 pounds and I, I think I lost it more so because of stress, because I had switched careers. Um, stress does a number on me as I know it does a lot of people, but it, it, I think that's why some of that weight poured off of me because of my stress levels went through then into 2021, um, kind of maintained that weight loss, but changed my eating a little bit. Like I, I was doing the fasting a little bit, trying to cut back, like not eat in between meals. And it was making a little bit of a difference. I didn't, um, my Were you doing like a 16, eight or something like that, or not even that formal. I was delaying breakfast. Yeah, probably about an eight, maybe an eight to 10 hour, but cutting, really trying to cut out in between my meals, like snacks. I was trying not to do snack, which if you're not snacking as much either, that's helping with your insulin too. That's a great way for people to get started if they're nervous about it. It really is. Yeah. So I was feeling pretty good about it. Um, So then we get into um, 2022. Then I kind of noticed I was just getting a little lazy again. And um, through the summer of 2022, trying to think all these years, um, I got back on the scale and I was back up to 187. So I had just, I was just start, I was starting to gain it back again. And I thought, I can't, I can't do this. It was just like, Tracy, you, you, you can do this. You were feeling so good. You were kind of starting to feel um, a little more in control but I was absolutely not willing to do another diet. I was not, I was not going back to Weight Watchers. I was not starting another diet because I knew the problem wasn't the diet. I knew the problem was what I was eating. 
And now so, tell me something really quick. Is this before or after that doctor visit where she prescribed the metformin and you said, I'm not in your own mind, I'm not taking it this it was point. After. It was, it after. was after. Okay. actually, okay. I, when she wanted me to do the, do that, that was clear back in like late, late 2019, early 2020. Okay. So, I got you. And I just want to make sure. Still, yeah. Yeah. I still have the metformin in my uh, kitchen cabinet. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. So so then it was August of 2022. So this was a year ago. Um, and then I remembered, hey, you know, I bought that book and I think I probably still have it. And I had bought The Delay, Don't Deny. And then later I bought Fast Feast Repeat. And then I also bought Jason Fung's um, Diabetes Code. I think that that one. And so I went, dug through my drawer, got him out and I pulled out Delay, Don't Deny. I read that first within a day and a half. And then, and then I started on Fast Feast Repeat and started reading that. Then um, I also, because I knew I was just taking a more methodical approach towards this. And so I went and I got some food sensitivity testing because I, I, I knew, you know, times when you eat certain things, your my stomach would hurt or you'd almost get like that bloat, like my stomach would stick out terrible and so I knew it, there's got to be, there's got to be some food sensitivities going on here. So I went, um, I did that and I did get my list of like my problematic foods. And as I was reading through the list, it was like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, I can remember pasta kind of does do this to me and makes me feel um, this way. Or So I, I was learning from that. And then I really started the fasting again. And that's when I had the eight to 10 hour window. And um I remember like my first morning of doing it, I could make it to eight 30 and then I'd start to get the shakes. And so I just thought, okay, we're going to, this time you're going to be methodical and this is going to take a while to get this down. But I slowly worked my way, you know, 10 o'clock then I could make it to 11. And then before I knew it, it was noon. So I, my, was getting my window under control, but I was also, you know, my food consumption was going down. And yeah. so I know that was helping with, uh, feeling the way I was. Um, I want to ask you a question real quick before you go on. So you had, you say, you said that you had like the shakes, you were having the shakes, um, from, from not eating. Did you ever at any point buy a a blood glucose monitor? Did you ever test yourself to see? Cause I wonder if you had some low blood sugars or if it was purely just your, you know, the hunger kind of setting and you had to override it. Yeah. Okay. No, I never did. Um, I feel now looking back, I think it was, I think it was low blood sugar. And I think, yeah, and yeah my, that's how it my feels. Body, yeah. yeah. My, I mean, you'd start to get that shaky feeling, um, start to sweat, kind of get that dizzy. It was a, but this, this had happened all my life. I mean, if I knew that if I would go too long without food, this is what was happening. Do you, and, you, do you still get that or not really? No, no. Okay. Yes. No. Sorry. No. Sorry to interrupt you. Continue on. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. No, good. So, through that fall, so August through December, I lost about 12 pounds. I was feeling pretty good, was feeling, um, but I wasn't noticing like a lot of my other symptoms, like my, my joints still hurt. Um, I mean, my, I could touch my elbows and they would, they would hurt terrible. And, uh, so some of that stuff didn't go away, but I was dirty fasting and, um, so then we got past Christmas, then I kind of had stalled out. And so then I get past like kind of between Christmas and New Year's and then, okay, 
you, you don't want to stall out and I'm feeling better. So let's not go backwards. Let's really let come on. You've made a, you know, I've made a commitment. I'm going to do this this time. I'm going to get healthy. And so I got out my fast re- feast repeat book again and started reading it again. And then I, what stuck out to me was the clean fast. I thought, okay, there's gotta be something to this. I'm going to try this. And then at the same time, so in January, I started clean fasting and then I got into podcast and I listened and listened and listened to any podcast that I could find. And, um, I mean, anywhere I went in my car, I know my husband probably thought every time I would pull my earbuds out of my ears, you know, she's listening to this podcast again, but you know, he never said anything. Cause <laughs> guy. But so I really just started focusing on that. Once I started clean fasting, it was like the floodgates opened. Um, I did though back up just a little bit in the fall, I did do another, um, glucose test and a one C and it went down to, um, my A1C went down to 5.8. And so, and that was probably in, from August to late November. So I was, I was seeing, okay, even these small changes are making a big difference. So then I, I starting in, in January now, and then I could really start to see once I started that clean fasting the, the weight started to pour off of me, the, and probably looked like I was losing more than what I was, but it was the inflammation was just dropping off me. I was having no problem fasting. My fasting hours now were shrinking down to about five hours. Um, I was able to get my food in no more of the, um, the shaky moments, none of that. And when, and Um, I didn't, I always used to carry, like when I first started this fasting last August, I was always afraid, like, okay, are you gonna, are you going to have one of those moments when you're out and about? And so I would always carry my emergency, you know, nuts or something in my purse. And I'd gotten away from that. I wasn't even thinking of grabbing those anymore. When I was leaving, I didn't need them. Um, We went on a cruise at the end of February and we had, you know, at night on the cruise, you get to get dressed up and go out for your supper. And so we'd always take pictures, my husband and I of our, ourselves, and we had internet on the cruise ship. So I would send the pictures back to my daughters just to say, Hey, we're going out tonight. And this is what we're wearing. And I remember when I sent the first one and immediately I got back from both of my girls, mom, what, what mom, you're so skinny. What happened to you? And it was like, I don't know, you know, they, they live their own lives. They're older now in their twenties with their families and in college. And they didn't realize that this was happening to me. So it was just kind of incredible. Yeah. Yeah, It was, it was funny. And then people were really starting to notice. Um, and then I just kept slowly going down, you know, February, I was like, um, 160, April, 153, July down to 142. And then I did weigh this morning, uh, and I was down, I'm down to 140. And so congratulations. Wow. Thank you. But the best thing about it is, is my, my blood work. And, um, I had told you that I, I wanted to wait and visit with you until after I got my latest blood work. And so the latest was, um, in July, the very end of July, I did it. My glucose was 92. My A1C is 5.4. And my fasting insulin, which I did ask him to do one because listening enough to all the podcasts talking yeah. about that, my fasting insulin was 6.2. So Excellent. I, I know op, 
optimal, you need to be lower than five, but I wish I would have taken my fasting before, but I know it's improved because all my other numbers have improved. Yeah. Yeah. And your A1C is in a good range. And since you have uh, pre-diabetes or type two diabetes, you can assume that that fasting glucose is, has also come down, as you said, you know, um, you're definitely lowering that, that amount, you know, the amount of high blood sugars that you have over time. So that's amazing. That's great work. Yeah. So what are your goals? I mean, for the future, I mean, it sounds like you're still on this health journey, you know, you know, my goals are with, with, with weight, I feel like I'm, I'm nearing probably where I'm supposed to be. Um, so I'm kind of just letting that work its way out. I'm, I'm not making hey, that you look great weight wise. You look great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, health wise, you know, I want to, I fasting will not stop. Fasting is what is my lifestyle because it's proven to me. This, this is what helps me with all the health concerns and the, the diabetes and all that. And I'm keeping it under control. You know, I don't, I look at it now. Um, it's those, the chemicals that were in all that processed food that I was eating for all those years and all that sugar. It's why I couldn't, I had so much trouble with it. You know, I can remember one time my, one of my best friends, when I told her I was going to go back and get my bachelor's degree. And I was like, Oh, I hope I can hope I can manage it and do it while I'm working. And, and I remember she said to me just so nonchalantly, Tracy, you always do everything that you put your mind to you. You can do this. And I remember thinking to myself, well, then why can't I get my weight under control? Why can't I control what I'm eating? And I now looking back, it's because it's because of the chemicals that are in those foods and choosing the wrong foods. It does a number on you. But when you, when I can get away from those foods and eat what is good for my body and what helps me sustain myself, it's, it's like night and day. I don't have those cravings anymore. Of course, every once in a while, I want to have a dessert or what everybody else is having, but I can eat a portion of it and I'm satisfied. And I never, I never, that was not that way years ago. I would eat something and that would only spiral me into wanting more or needing more of that food. Well, and you understand now after having read all of the work by Dr. Jason Fung and Jen talks about it in her books as well about how um, when you eat those foods, you end up on the blood sugar roller coaster, even if you don't have diabetes, it, it just triggers off so much hunger and you can just never be satiated when you, when you have a lot of that food in yes. your system all day, every day, you know, I you couldn't just can't understand. stop. Right. I couldn't understand why am I, I eat all this food and I'm still craving other things. It was, I can remember hearing this on podcast. People would say I'd eat food and I want more. I want something else. Okay. Now I'll go try this. No, this isn't, this isn't cutting it either. I'll go try this. And then you begin to think it's because you don't have any willpower and, and no control. And it's not that. That's right. That's right. It's uh, it's not that at all. It's, it's your blood sugar, yeah. you know, really driving you to eat all of these things. And I mean, let's face it too, you know, these companies, they make these foods highly palatable. They want you to consume as much as possible. So it's really not your fault. Um, but the part you can control is, you know, like, like you're doing intermittent fasting when you eat. And even if you, even if you are having trouble eliminating those things from your diet, at least if you can 
cut out many hours of the day where you're not eating those things. That's a big help. And those changes right. may happen gradually over time. They may not happen the first day. That's a, that's a big ask for somebody to start intermittent fasting and then also change their diet. I mean, it's, yep. it's hard. Yep. And I think that was probably one of the the biggest things that I learned from Jen's books was just work on your eating window first and then start to tweak it. And that is exactly what I did. And as time has gone on, I look forward to hummus. I mean, it's not like I'm not thinking about looking forward to, you know, something with sugar in it. It, your taste actually changed. And I would not have believed that 10 years ago. I know it's a, it's really incredible. I gave up sugar and artificial sweeteners in uh, March or in April this year. And uh, if you told me that I would not be craving those things anymore now, I would like said, well, you're lying or, you know, you're just selling me something, but like, it's, it's, the honest to goodness, 100% true. I do not crave those things anymore. Yep. yep. So it's amazing. Yep. It, it is absolutely amazing. Cause I would have fought anybody. I would have argued that until my death that, that no, that's not true. But it so is. tell me something. Uh, so what is your fasting protocol like right now? How, how do you do things now? So now I, I, I've kind of fallen into a window of three to five hours a day. So it just really just depends on the day. Um, I usually don't eat something until two or three in the afternoon. Um, I, I used to kind of have a bigger, I would call it a hearty snack and I'd have a bigger snack and then would have supper after I got home. Kind of was beginning to realize that if my snack was too big, then I wasn't as hungry for supper. And then I didn't feel like I was getting the nutrients in that I needed to get in because I was full. So I really cut back on like my snack. I just try to open it with um, like good fats, like maybe an avocado, um, olives, cottage cheese, you know, I have just a little bit, just enough. So I'm not, I don't, I try to avoid getting to the point where I'm so hungry that I'm trying to make supper as fast as I can to eat it. So just by doing just a, a little tiny snack, then I can really sit down and enjoy my supper. So it ends up being about a three to five hour window a day. Yeah, that makes sense. Like sometimes when you open your window, you need just a little something to take the edge off until you can get there. I totally get that. That makes a lot of sense. I do the same thing. Yeah. But like you, um, I, I have to be conscious of how big that snack is because sometimes that snack turns into like almost a full meal size. And then you end up eating another meal quickly thereafter. Then you've eaten two meals in a three hour period. And then you feel just disgusting. Right. So, <laughs> you have to be careful. <laughs> yeah. yep. It's all alert. It's it's. And that's what I've allowed myself though, is just, you, you're going to have to keep tweaking, just keep learning and just really listening to body signals and paying attention to my body. And that's the difference between this lifestyle and like a diet is a diet. You do what they tell you to do this lifestyle, you're actually listening to your body. Yeah. That's a very important distinction. And it's the other thing that's really interesting is just nobody, two people do it the same way. Right. You know, and that's why I love hearing everybody's stories because it's something that you said about like the snack to open your window might trigger somebody to do the same thing. Cause they might be wondering why, why am I having such a hard time making it to that meal? Yep. I'm preparing and it. it. <laughs> yep. And it took me a while to figure out, okay, maybe don't open it with just like vegetables, you got to have something, you know, with a little more, you know, substantial. Higher, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Substantial. Yep. Yep. 
Um, I mean, that's, that's incredible. What have you noticed any challenges that you face or has it been pretty smooth sailing once you started the clean fasting? Um, with my, with diet wise, with my food and stuff, no, that that's been pretty, it's been pretty good. I would say the things that I'm still working on, um, are diet brain. I've got it, you know, like if, if my window would extend to five or six hours, because that's just life and that's the way it goes. I always have to really work on my first thought, not going to, oh, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing or, oh, you know, that, no, this is not a diet. This is a lifestyle. So I have to be flexible. I've had to um, work on like fear of, of failing because sometimes I can find my mind going back to thinking you're going to start making bad choices again. You're going to get yourself out of control again, just like you've done with every other you know, food plan you've tried. So I, I, and then I have to stop myself and, and think, okay, let's think back about what you've been doing and the choices that you've been making in the last few days. And you're fine. And I always have to tell myself, you're fine. You're doing good. But that, that doubt comes into play. So I, I really have to worry about that. And then I would say a little bit of um, kind of like body dysmorphia. Uh, when I, when I was as big as I was, I didn't realize it. But then when I would be thin too, or like when I was in high school, I didn't realize that I was thin and I looked nice. So I've always kind of, I'm, I've, I've always been very critical of myself. And so I've had to tell myself, what would you say to a friend? Because you would never think this about one of your friends, or you would never look at your daughters and judge them by how they look. It's, it's me being critical of myself. And so I, I just really have to I still have to kind of keep that in check and just work on it. And, but it's getting, it, it is getting better. Thanks for sharing some of the, you know, mental challenges that you've had. Cause I think we all have them and the, the diet brain for sure. <clears throat> I, I've, I struggle with that too. The fear, fear of failure and you know, that this isn't going to work long-term and you're, you always fail at every diet you try, have that too. And I think, um, over time you, you start to trust yourself a little bit more. I'm two years yeah. in now that thought was really, really strong for like the first year or so. And then I'm like, look, you've maintained it for two years. So what are you so worried about? You finally can like talk that down a little bit, but in the beginning, I feel like it's really hard to, to quiet that, you know, and the body dysmorphia, I think all women in this country have it. <laughs> Unfortunately, even if you're real thin, you know, everybody's comparing themselves to what they see on TikTok and Instagram, all these models and stuff. And, you know, that's just not a normal weight for most people. Right. Right. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. And have you, um, and I don't know, I'm starting to go through perimenopause myself now, but are you going through the menopause process and are you finding fasting difficult at all? Yeah. So my, my story was a little bit different with that. I had a hysterectomy when I was 42 and that's, that's, it, it actually was probably one of the worst experiences of my life. Uh, it was a terrible year and it, I need a whole nother podcast to go over that, but <laughs> it, I worked through it. Um, I did finally get into hormone replacement therapy, which has made, it made a huge, huge difference. So I hit menopause hard and fast and it was an awful year. But once I got past that, I, I, I really didn't have a lot of the, the, you know, I, a lot of my friends and stuff, you know, they talk about the hot flashes and all that stuff and they went through and mine was just slammed onto me because it, it happened so fast. Um, I had a doctor who 
didn't do any. She just did the hysterectomy and sent me home and no hormones, no nothing. And I had a crash three days later and it was, it was the worst experience of my life, but, but you made me an advocate when I hear of other women now that are, you know, going, getting ready to do these. Now I can at least help them and share with them my insight, you know, on maybe a a better way of approaching it. So. Yeah. And, you know, well, and just by virtue of the fact that you, you know, had menopause in one day, basically, um, you know, you're showing that you can lose weight, you can turn around your health with intermittent fasting and diet, even after that, like, because I think there's this really common perception that once you hit menopause or perimenopause, like you can't lose weight anymore, you can't get your health back, like it's all just downhill, there's nothing you can do to stop that train, but it's actually not true. Right? No, it's not. It's not. So that's really, that's a really interesting aspect of your story. Now, I want to, I want to ask you something else, which um, is kind of interesting. You've been with your husband for 32 years. Mm-hmm. Does he fast as well? So if you, if you were to ask him that question, he would kind of chuckle and say, well, I do a little bit, but I don't, I don't do it like Tracy does. And so um, he, he has uh, he does, he does do it. Um, I, he, he would laugh too, because sometimes I'll look at him like, is your window open? You know, and I try not to be like that. Cause I'm that he, he's his own person. We, you know, he does his own thing, but he has stopped eating breakfast. And so he has given himself, his window is a little bit more than mine. You know, he's probably eight to 10 hour window, but he is, he is seeing the changes in me and he's seen how much happier I am and healthier I am. And, um, he is, he is kind of playing with it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think we can influence our partners in that way, which is really, it's, it's, it's nice for them, even if they're not fully on board or they don't need to lose weight or anything like that. It's, uh, they, I'm sure he can see the the changes in you, which is awesome. And it's good for his health too. Exactly. And he's, he's, such, I got one of the good guys and he's so supportive of me and anything I ever do. And he's just so nice. He'll, you know, he'll even, he knows that when I come home, I have an amount of my window left. And if he'll have supper ready for us, or he'll try to have, you know, it picked out as to what we're going to have. And he's super supportive. So he has really, really helped with me being able to be successful at this. That's really, that's really nice. And that's how, you know, it's, it, it takes everybody around us to, to be able to help us. And I, I want to reference back to something else you were talking about in your story about how you were listening to podcasts, like obsessively about it. And I did the same thing. I mean, even if you don't have somebody that's supportive in your life, like you can really get the support from just people online or the podcast. I mean, it's great. Oh, absolutely. The, the, the podcasts are out there. You gotta, you know, I, I had to decide, okay, clean fasting that I, I that is my hill I will die on. So then I had to find the podcast that supported that. And, but there's so many of them. Um, and the support groups are so, they're so great. You know, that's how I found you is I think I was listening. I can't remember what podcast I was listening to and I heard you. And so then I did a little bit of digging and then, and found that, um, you know, Graham's, uh, his, his fasting highway. Great great podcast and, um, his community too, um, his, and then the intermittent fasting community, people are just so they're so helpful and, and they genuinely, they care. And when you, when you know that you have a lifestyle 
that makes you feel so good and helps you so much. You want to share it with other people. And that's what the, all the members are doing on those podcasts is supporting each other. It's a great community. Yeah. There's really no negativity. People are all just there to help each other out and um, Mm -hmm. give advice if people are struggling and people are sharing all their successes. I mean, it's, it's really a, I, I love the intermittent fasting community. Like it's like almost across the board, everybody's supportive. It's, it's incredible. In fact, it was kind of funny before I came on here with you today, I was looking through one of the communities and someone said help. And they were talking about, they were um, type one, they had type one diabetes and they really needed help. And, and I was, you popped in my head. And the next comment was, here's this podcast, listen to this one. And it was yours. Oh, so, that's so nice. Thank you for telling me that. So I just thought, see, and I was going to, you know, I was going to type, yeah, go to this one, but they beat me to it. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, intermittent fasting is such a valuable, as you know, tool to managing diabetes. It's, I think it's, I don't know why doctors don't just come out with that when you type ones and type twos, you know, just, Hey guys, think about this intermittent fasting thing. You know, it's a, even for me as a, as a type one, I I continue to learn more about it. And like last night I ate dinner really late for my, for me at like 10 PM. Um, usually I close my window around one or two in the afternoon. And, um, you know, I was thinking, you know, I I may do an episode on it, like how how you have to change your settings when you, um, when you close later and things like that, but it's for type ones, it, it, especially, you know, having that food out of your system for long periods of time, you can just let the background insulin do its thing. You don't have to be so on top of it for type twos, the more time you can have food out of your system. Cause every time you eat, if you're not, even if you're on metformin or Ozempic, another drug like that, every time you eat something with that spikes your blood sugar, which any carbohydrate, even a meal full of, you know, just protein will spike your blood sugar to some, some degree. And you have to let it calm back down again. But if you can keep that nice straight line going for all the the time that you can stand to fast, I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. It really regulates your body. It's just such a great tool. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you too, because, uh, you know, you're in a unique position where you were really battling with prediabetes and diabetes for a long, long time before you came to intermittent fasting, like I'm sure a lot of people that listen to this podcast are in your, in a similar situation where, you know, they've been fighting with it for a long time and they're going back and forth with their doctors about metformin or Ozempic or whatever they're, they're talking about. Um, like what advice do you have for them to get their mindset in the right spot? You know, do your research, um, really dive into it, you know, try to learn about it, listen to your body and don't, don't, play the shove it off game. Like, Oh no, I'm really fine. You know, I, I have a high pain tolerance. And so I tolerate stuff probably more than what I should. Um, and if, if you trust your physician, listen to them. And it's easy to tell if you have that trust, if they're listening, actually listening to you and carrying on a conversation with you, then they care about you. So then, you know, just, um, like I said, I don't condone making your own medical decisions about not taking the metformin. Um, I'm lucky that I probably didn't develop the diabetes worse than what I did or the prediabetes. Um, so I would just say, you know, be open to all the different avenues and also get it out of your head that and that was my problem is I thought once I start taking it, I'm never going to get off of it. And this is going to be like this forever. And maybe don't have that mindset that 
Do you know that maybe you have to use this as an aid for a while until you get things figured out? That's a really good point. A lot of people are on metformin and are able to get off it, or even people that are on insulin that have graduated to insulin that are type two and they're able to get off of it. I mean, it is not, it, it's not a lifetime sentence that you have to do this stuff. It's totally within your control. Right. Yep. And I didn't, I just, I think I also was so afraid that if I start taking that, I, I know that I'm going to think, okay, now I can still do what I want to do in my lifestyle and with my food and eating and stuff, because I have this probably the wrong way of thinking about it. Yeah, no, you're right about that. Um, and you know what, the, I think there's so much, uh, when you get a bad diagnosis, diabetes type one or type two, and you think about it from this like restriction mindset, uh, then it really discourages you from doing what you need to do. And it just feels like such a chore, but if you kind of reverse it and you think to yourself, like, I'm going to get healthier and I'm going to feel better. And that's like, that's really what happens. I don't, I don't miss all those foods that I used to eat. I don't miss eating all day, every day. I, I don't, I, I actually prefer this lifestyle. If you put me side, mm -hmm. side by side, I prefer it this way. Yeah. It's not, yep. it's not bad. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It, it is. And I know that people, some people just can't understand that. And, and they almost kind of look at you like, oh, oh, your window's not open. You know, yeah. well, that's okay. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> Yeah. It's not a bad thing. I feel fine. Everything's good. I'm fine. You enjoy your food. Right. I'm just going to sit here and watch you. That's all right. No problem. That's right. I'll enjoy <laughs> it later. That's the big, that's the big word for me too. That really got me through is delaying. I was just delaying. I wasn't, that's why all these other diets that I tried through the years were so hard because it was like, I can never do this again, or I can never have that again. Never's a, a heavy word. But when I, when I, you know, put the word, um, delay in there or my kind of my life word that I've used for years is pause. And I've just, I put that towards so many avenues in my life, you know, pausing before you speak, just waiting for that three seconds or pausing and making a plan or pausing. And how do you work through the storms in your life? I just, that's a big word for me. And, and my family, I, my girls could say, Oh yeah, mom always talks to us about this, but that word really, it, it fits. It's like, that's intermittent fasting right there. And all those years ago, I didn't even realize that either, but it's just pausing. It's just pausing and waiting. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. And that's really well put. Did I miss anything? Is there any other, other part of the story that you wanted to tell me? I don't, I think I pretty much, I think I pretty much we, told it. Yeah. We covered it. Okay, yeah. good. Well, thank you so much for telling your story. I know it's going to resonate with a lot of people. So thank you. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that you uh, asked me to be on it. I, I've enjoyed my time. My pleasure. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please email me at fastlifewithdiabetes at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day.